listening to the Advancing Women in Sport podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Michelle Redfern. I'm so thrilled to bring you season two, and I've called it the Boys Club, stories of people who are smashing the patriarchy in sport. In season two, I'm lifting my eyes and lifting my focus to the whole system of sport. I know from the work that I do with clients in both the business and sport areas, it's important to fix systems and remove barriers that prevent women from all walks of life, from all ages and stages in all sports on and off the field. I know it's important to remove barriers for those women to be successful. So my guests on season two are diverse. They are people of different genders. They're in different geographies and of course, different parts of the sporting sector. What season two guests all have in common is that they are agitating, advocating and activating for gender equality in sport. I hope you enjoy the episode. The Advancing Women in Sport podcast is created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I also celebrate the massive contribution that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples have made to sport, and I acknowledge their contribution across the world. Welcome back, listeners. It's terrific to have you, well, have me in your ears again today. And for those of you tuning in who are basketball fans, I've got a real treat for you today. So today I've got Tony Hallam with me and Tony is the chair of the Melbourne Boomers and various other things. And I'm going to let him tell his story about how, well, he's working in sport, um, specifically basketball and in business. But fair to say, uh, I've been uh, gently stalking Tony for a few years now and watching what he's been doing. And he's been uh, he's been quite inspiring to me because he is one of the great blokes in sport and in basketball specifically that is doing stuff to level the playing field for women. So, Tony, welcome to the pod. Thank you for taking the time out to share, well, your story and to answer my annoying questions. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. And equally, I've been stalking. I think I've been stalking you gently on LinkedIn as well. So, I'm not sure I'm, uh, I think you might be overstating it to say that we're leveling the playing field. We're just trying to tilt it. Sorry, we are tilting it a little bit, but boy, it's got a long way to go. Yeah, and we, we were just having a conversation before I started recording about how you're tilting it and the advice uh, that we're going to share or well, that you're going to share with with our listeners today because the whole point of this podcast is to really showcase and amplify the, the not only the voices uh, but the acts of advocacy uh, that the folks that come on here, my guests, um, are taking to level the playing field. And yeah, we, we, we talked about revolution versus evolution and how long it's going to take and what have you. But the reality is there's some stuff that every single person can do right now. And that's what I'm keen to, to hear about. But before we, we get into that, Tony, tell, can you, can you tell our listeners the, the, the Tony Hallam playbook? So your career and what's got you to where you are now? Yeah, look, in a maybe in less than a minute, I'm a, I'm pretty well a Melbourne boy. Um, I've been fortunate enough to live overseas and in Perth and work in a couple of other countries, and that came through my the first twenty years of my professional career uh, with Prosswood House Coopers. And uh, but I was uh, sent, I was a, a, an auditor, an audit partner, uh, so a lot of training in um, analytics and I suppose dealing with people, and then um, always loved. 
always loved sport and a big part of um, my growing up, both of, both playing and watching, um, probably a bit obsessive at times uh, around different sports and different, particularly different teams. I'm a tragic Collingwood supporter, love my golf, um, love Major League Baseball, have, have done since I was 20. So not just local sports, but sort of international sports. Um, and um, sadly, over my 55 plus years, um, it's become easier to consume professional sports. So probably more of my time gets spent uh, watching it. But uh, um, And then I took a right-hand turn uh, in the middle of my career when I was 40, perhaps had a bit of a midlife crisis about what I wanted to be and um, moved into professional sport. And I've worked in, in uh, Golf Australia, Football, what is now Football Australia, um, in and around a couple of big events. So I was very fortunate enough to be a board member and then become chair of chairman of um, what's now known as Marble Stadium, and that was one of the more fascinating, really interesting professional experiences I had. And um, and then um, since then, um, have owned a couple of businesses, and one of those is I'm very privileged to be one of the ownership group of the Deakin Melbourne Boomers, who is uh, a WNBL team, um, plays in the National League. Uh, we have, you know, we're genuinely elite level global basketballers playing with us in Test Magin, Kayla George, Tiffany Mitchell, Lesie Magbegore, um, a very history club. Uh, so we, one of our legacies is that we are the oldest professional women's sporting franchise in Australia uh, that is still in existence. So we started in 1984 and have been continuous since then. And we became the owners in 2016 and uh, we've been, we're going into our seventh year as an ownership group and we are the reigning champions, Michelle, um, having, having won the uh, Boomers' second championship in 38 years uh, in April in one of the... Um, more special moments in my life. I um so we're, we're going to talk about the the TV series or the the series about the Deakin Melbourne Boomers shortly. But I um it, it's fascinating. Well, actually, let's talk about it now because ownership. I, I'm I'm I have massive envy uh, because I think oh owning a sporting team. Yeah, because like you, I I'm a sports tragic. Yes, uh, on the other side of the white line, whatever the white line is now, than rather than on the field or in the arena. But um, ownership of of a sporting club is, you know, when I was growing up and even you know uh, becoming. The mature woman that I'm now, uh, owning a sporting team was, was something that, you know, the plutocrats had, you know, that really super duper rich people had. But now we're seeing, well, I, well, how about you tell us the story of, of the ownership of, of the boomers? Cause I've just watched this, the TV series. So I'm feeling quite apprised of the situation. Um, and I'm going to put a link folks, uh, in, in the show notes to the, the, how you can watch the series about the history of the boomers. But how did it come about, Tony? And what was important? about you stepping in as an owner and then, of course, in, in your role uh, as chair? It's an interesting question I, I, and, and I would emphasise um, it's not just me. So there are eight, there are eight of us. Um, uh, seven of us have been there for going into our seventh year. Um, and Mark Ronan from Adairs joined us, um, but he'd been, a, he'd been a sponsor and a supporter since day one, but he joined us in, in the ownership group two years ago. Um, look, 
I'd say I'll first will tell you a little bit about how it came about very briefly, and then talk a bit about what it, what I think it means to us, and maybe more particularly to me. Um, so, life's a bit about timing. I think um, uh, the opportunity came up because the club or the the Bulleen Boomers uh, Basketball uh, Bulleen Templestowe Basketball Association, who had been the owners and the founders of um, the Boomers. Uh, were needed to redirect their resources and were handing back the licence to Basketball Australia. Uh, and I read about that in the newspaper. I knew the boomers, uh, some a, a bunch of the ownership group of the eight of us live in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, so we there's a lot of heritage and legacy from the Bullion Boomers days, ABC TV and so on. So so and And most of us had some connection to basketball, but mainly through, you know, maybe our kids played or... Um, a couple of the owners, but Julia Walsh had been at Bulling Templestowe all the way through since she was a, um, uh, a young, a young adult or a young person. Um, when you couldn't, when there were no women's teams, no girls' teams at Bulling, so um, we knew about them. Um, and then probably with some of the background I had from Football Australia being in the A League, I knew enough to be dangerous about what being in a league was, what what owning a franchise was. But remember, the scale of a WNBL team is not the same as a an A-League team. An A-League team at that time, you needed about $8 million a year operating budget. Uh, a WNBL team was ranging between half a million, you know, maybe a million in a couple of cases. But So um, we uh, we reached out and we started, we did, you know, we did our classic due diligence and we had somebody come in, Sam Ciccarello, who was a, a guy who'd worked in football with me and really good person. He came out from Adelaide because we, we just wanted a bit of independence to tell us what we were getting into. And not all of us knew each other as well. So the eight of us came together. Um, we bought the business for a dollar, and um, which probably gives you a sense of, you know, what, you know, what, what it was, what the business side of it was. It was a, a beautiful basketball program, but you'd have to say at the time it was just because of resourcing, it was semi-professional. Um, and um, that Four or five months later, we officially took the licence and we started this journey that, you know, I'd, I would say uh, probably two things I'd say about it. One is we feel quite privileged. Certainly, I feel quite privileged with the opportunity. It came at a really bad time in terms of how busy a couple of us were, but, you know, busy people lead busy lives and what an opportunity. I mean, I, I think you think back and go, what an to your point, what an opportunity, like, and then secondly, um, we worry like small business owners worry. So we worry about can we pay the payroll because you are taking on a responsibility, um, a custodianship, not just of a, a pretty important, I think, uh, sporting brand, but actually you're employing people. So um, those of those of the, who are listening who, who are involved and own small businesses – you know, we often I talk with other small business owners because we are a small business. We now turn over about one point three million dollars, and we have operating expenditure of one point five. So we run a deficit every year, but that's conscious. That's not a, um, and we view that as an investment in our business. So people say it's running at a loss. You know, we're investing in our business to grow it. Um, it's a really delicate balance, though, because we're not multi-millionaires. We're not. You know, I think we've all 
been been done well, done well enough, and we feel there's an element of give back, but it's not give back in the sense of um, uh, being on the board or committee of a club. That's different because when you own it, the responsibility and financial accountability genuinely sits with you as owners of the business. Absolutely, and, and, and that has I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, mm. it has attention I, to it that is is interesting, but at times quite stressful. Oh, absolutely. And as a as a small business owner uh, myself, it's it, you know you know that uh, there's there's just something different about being a small business owner versus a big working in a big business when you are literally responsible for the livelihoods of the people on your payroll. So. I, I am. I have to ask though that the, the illogical question: Why this club? Why a women's basketball team? And you know why was it so important that you? And I'm going to use the word saved. Um, and I'm very conscious. I know. I know. It, it, and I. It, but but there's certainly a, an element of there's a group of you that saved this club from no longer being in existence and therefore the knock-on effect. So humour me because I can't think of another word right now. But so, okay, so so the group of you decided, okay, we're going to do this. So why a women's basketball team? Why the w, in the WNBL? And, so, and I, I don't expect you to talk on behalf of the others because so, I'm interviewing you. Why did why was this so important? Um, look, I think it's a multitude of reasons. I think um, timing is a factor. So, um, you know, you've, you, I think there are times in your life when you when things get in front of you, and for your own reasons, you decide no, that's that's almost too good opportunity to pass up or too unique. Um, I think uh, certainly for me, I had I felt like I had enough knowledge to um, to have a crack at it. So it wasn't like I was going into an area that um, I didn't, you know, I was going to be completely learning. Um, it was a bit of a combination. I, I say this quite often that if I look at what I'm doing in the business, in and around the business, and this is just me, um, it's, it brings together a bunch of the things that I've done in my career. So a bunch of the skills, a bunch of the experiences. Um, there's a freedom to it because it's... Um, it's yours. There's a bit of ego in it because it's sport is, you know, disproportionately interesting to people. Um, in, so in our community, I think in Australia, that's that's one of the reasons that I, it first motivated me to move into sport is that it, in terms of impact, sport's disproportionately important in Australia to the way people think, to the way people interact. So there's an element of that of, of probably, you know, that relevance is part of it. Um, I think also uh, we were able to do it. So financially, um, you know, w- within certain parameters, we felt uh, my wife and I are, are both, we're both the owners of, of our share, um, that, we, that we could do it. So we weren't putting at risk our family. And we and and you know that's the in terms of financial um, uh, plans or whatever that that's the number one priority that we so we weren't putting that at risk so and we weren't 
thinking that this was also the way we were going to make our next, you know, piece of our family, you know, sustainability from the front. It, it wasn't like this is let's do this and we'll make a make a mozza. It was so it wasn't so we could do it. It was a really important piece, and then um, uh, the. The women's side came, I think, in part because I'd learnt a bit and probably changed a bit, and we may get to this a little bit later, the experience that I had in golf and particularly in football, had, I'd taken a few lessons about myself from that. And then I also think that uh, both for me and I would say within our eight owners, there's a connection into um, basketball and women's basketball in particular. So in my case, my two daughters have played it. Social. I'm not a basketball person by background. I didn't play it when I was younger. My wife has never picked up a basketball in her life. Our two daughters have played, um, you know, through the the Victorian system. Not at any huge level, but um, it's been part of our lives since Grace was first started playing domestically when she was ten. So there was an affinity to it, and um, and so there's all those pieces that came together. Um, and then probably uh, just a sense of if we didn't do this, what 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 might we be missing? I think, um, and um, and so you know, seven years later, it's it's a big part of our life. It's a big part of our family life. Obviously, obviously, spend more time in it than the rest of my two daughters and Kath, but it permeates, um, and I think that's a pretty pretty amazing thing for us that you know new people new relationships um uh certainly not easy but 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 and then a lot of fun and then you know often people are, i'm rambling a bit here michelle so apologies people often ask me what's the different yeah you know, is sport the same as business and there are a lot of to me it's a lot of it is around people so yes i don't think i wouldn't be able to do now what i did without my certainly my 20 years at Crosswood House Coopers um, is giving me a foundation. What I find in sport, in the business of sport, I should say, is that the highs are much higher and the lows are much lower. Whereas my career at Crosswood House Coopers was was tr- um, wonderful, but it was more stable and more um, on an even keel, I should say. So you had really good wins. You know, you might win a new client or do a really interesting assignment or whereas I've found in my now 17, 18 years in professional sport that for, at a personal career perspective, you just have some really amazing things that happen to you if you're lucky um, and you have some really crap things that happen to you. And I think that's made me, to be honest, probably made me a better person in many ways and, a, and certainly a business, better business. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more and you know, a couple of points I want to, pull out there in, in what you've said, Tony, is that there is so much, um, you know, I've said off air I like to bring sport to business and business to sport because the two sectors, you know, they're, they're, they're not two separate sectors. Of course, they're overlapping and intertwined. Um, but I think for those of us who've got backgrounds in business, particularly management and administration, there's there's so much opportunity to use those skills in sport, and for me, uh, I'm probably a little bit the same as you. I I worked out when my kids first started playing sport. This was how I could actually have an impact for sport was through my administration skills, my management skills. Um, yes, I was a coach, and you know, 
did sausage sizzles and umpire escorts and all that. But the reality was getting involved in committees and then boards, particularly in footy, um, that was where I could have an impact and really bring those skills the same as, as you have, have done. And I think first call to action for anyone listening, thinking, gee, I wouldn't mind getting involved in sport. If you're in business, bring your skills. Your skills are needed in sport uh, because we actually can't have – 10 point guards sitting around the boardroom table of the Melbourne Boomers because the point guards are fantastic because they bring their point guard experience, but they may not have done an MBA. They may not have run a business and we need that diversity of thought to run really well, to contribute to really well-run, sustainable businesses that are sports businesses. And I think that the, the second part is that, you know, what I'm, I'm sensing out of what you've just said is, a portfolio of interests um, and a, a great friend and mentor of mine says, you know, my he's a professional director. He said, you know, profit, I'm on some profit boards that are for profit, boards that are for purpose and then some some that are my passion. So profit, purpose, passion, and I've, I thought it's really great advice. So if you've got a passion for sport, um, jump on in and start, you know, volunteer, be you know, volunteer on for one of the committees or what have you, because by crikey, we need all of you. Hey, I want to talk about, let's, let's talk about the, the, the women. And, you know, I, I've just finished last week watching the, um, sidelined, which was the series around, um, the, 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 the women. So the fight for equality in women's basketball. And I, I have, um, I, I want to bring have this back to all, you. Have, have you watched, have you watched all four episodes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Can I, let and, me and, ask you a question. So tell me, give me two moments out of it. Number one was the sheer lack of you've got the 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 women going to this amazing final series and just no media. There was nothing. You know, and, and you know, the, the, I think one of them just said, you know, what, what are we going to do here? You know, we've got we get 30 seconds on on nightly news. We are we are about to really take because I think after the Perth the, the victory in Perth and I'm going to talk about that as my second moment um you know we're about we're, we're positioned to take this championship we get we're getting nothing where's the media and you know and women's sport um in the media mainstream media is a real bugbear of mine so and, and I want to talk about it. so that was number one like really and and for a person who doesn't religiously follow basketball either so I was blissfully unaware because Nothing was coming into my feeds or on my streams about the fact that this terrific, exciting final series was was taking place. The second moment that stood out for me was when when you folks got invited to the um, the Perth celebration because they were so sure that they were going to win. And as a woman from Perth, I was having a real chuckle, going, "Wow, that was that's backing yourself in." Let's invite the losing side before they've even played the game to our celebration. So I, there was a bit of a, you know. Um, flipping the bird as you walked out. It's like, yeah, thanks for the celebration. It's ours now, not yours. <laughs> that was a- well, it, 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 it's in, there's a little bit of background to that as well that might, maybe it might. And what, without spoiler alert to the, we, we, you know, people who, the, the feedback we've had on the documentary series has been um, uh, unsolicited in many cases and just amazing. So we, we and, and it's not ours. That's one thing to emphasize. Adam McKay, Who's the filmmaker? Uh, he made it. He's, it's an independent production 
there were some parts that yeah no no we 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 contribute to the we obviously gave him access, um, but unlike I think some other um, sports documentaries, it's not a PR exercise for the Boomers. Um, now we so that that's one thing to be really clear on is that, and we say that quite often because um, I think there is an element in some of the documentaries that are done um, where they really to a degree, marketing exercises for the club, the league, the, particularly the individual athletes, where it's not it's not journalism as such. It's um, and that's okay as long as you recognise that for what it is. Um, I think one of the things that that you should, that I still find sometimes an assumption that from people that that like their sport but don't necessarily follow a lot of women's sport is that that this isn't as competitive as as men's sport, right? And I have, you know, if you've ever met Tess Magin, there is no more competitive person, and I have met a number of competitive people because that's one of the common traits of elite sports people, um, than Tess Magin. I mean, she would fight for anything if you put it in front of her. Um, And I think there's almost an element in that, invitation that it's all very friendly and and it isn't it's deeply deeply competitive and um so we had a lot of debates with and with adam because obviously putting that story in is you know, it's not it's not a controversial story but it's a pretty cool story as to you know was that the right thing to do and the answer was these are the stories that need to be told to share you know we're going over in two weeks time to perth to play the opening game of the WNBL season against Perth in Perth, well, I, I suspect a few of their fans watched it. And I reckon we're going to get a bit of crap from it. But that's okay. That's okay because that and, – and, you know, this is – I mean, this is why I love sport because as much as we want to be careful around sledging and what – but there's a psychology and there's just stuff – so much of sport, particularly at an elite level, is played off the field. You know, the if you think about – all the different codes of football, you know, the ducks and drakes that we play around it, who's going to get selected, who's in, who's out, and, you know, the team's being released. And you, you play games and you release a little bit to the media here, oh, yeah, so-and-so will be playing uh, or so-and-so won't be playing So because you, you know your opposition's watching your every move to say who we're going to have, you know, lined up on Tony in the front pocket or, you know, whatever it may be. So this, this is the game of sport, which is so... I find it exhilarating, and, and but I found that I just thought, wow, talk about a, a tactic that kind of didn't quite pay off. It was, oh, look, I, and, and, I, and I, in I fairness to the yeah, yeah, I don't think but, it was. But, but uh, it was I, mind I, I, games, right? It was yeah. mind games. Oh. They were saying, we are so certain and we're going to plant the seed of thought in your minds that you're not going to be the winners. And that's the mind games that that. That, that oh, I, I, I don't know that I, I don't. I think that might be, to be honest, that might be stretching what happened in that case. I, I think more particular. I, I would, I would say more. The relevance is the reaction that our team had to it, which was, um, and you know, do, we won't talk too much. But, but the other bit is, look at us. Look how um, an, animated we're getting about it. How mo- it's that's that to me is one of the. That sport, I mean, it's it's disproportionate, but um, and some people look at it and go, well, how could people get that interested in something like that? And the answer is, that's just what it does to you, and that's why if you if you if you love it, um, anyway, we digress. But look, sidelined, um, 
it's one of the I would say one of the prouder things that I've done um, and supported in my in my life. Um, it, uh, it it and you can probably uh, I get a bit emotional when we talk about it because I just hope people watch it, and I, and more particularly I hope administrators and boards out there in any sense of sport watch it. Um, I particularly hope the Board of Basketball Australia watch it. Um, I'm not convinced that they have, uh, and I would love them to. Not not because it's shoving it down their throat. It's actually a chance for people to see um, what they don't get to see. And I'm, along with people within the Boomers and other WNBL clubs and, and other women's leagues in Australia, we're privileged to see some of it, right? So one of the reasons we're stronger as advocates is because we get to see it and live it. Well, here's a chance to see it and maybe not live it, but um, get to see some of the rawness of it. And the, it mirrors so many of the issues in our general community. And to me, that's why I'm proud of it is because maybe in its own way, it might have an impact in basketball, not just women's basketball, but in basketball. Um, and it might, I don't know, might have an impact. So we're taking it into, we're going to, down to Gippsland in November and we're going into half a dozen high schools with sideline. With, like, because it, and, and questions have been asked, well, we'll get the basketballers to watch it. And, and the conversation has gone on to say, no, no, this is, this is for boys and girls. Right. It doesn't matter whether they like basketball. It doesn't matter whether they like sport. Um, and the issues of race and identity that come through in the in the first episode, they're um, they're right across our community. And again, that's the disproportionate power of sport to generate conversation. So, um, all I'd ask people is, um, it is entertaining, I think, as well. And look, I'm a sports doco nut, um, and I'm obviously biased. Um, but I'm very comfortable putting that in front of anybody uh, against any other sports doco that I've seen. And, and I'm a 30 for 30 ESPN fan. Like, I've watched every one of them three times. So um, so please, look, all I could say is just take the opportunity to watch it. SBS On Demand, KO. Um, and if you get stuck and you don't have either of those, although SBS On Demand is free, um, just send me a note and we'll find a way. All right, folks, we're going to put the, the links into the show notes so you can grab it. But what I really, uh, at, at an overarching level, the, the, the documentary highlights the, the four stages that, that I think allies and advocates go through. Uh, number one is, well, oblivion. So there'll be a lot of people out there, to your point, who have got absolutely zero idea or zero concept, I should say, um, about just how tough it is for women's sport or women in sport and those uh, those of us who support it because of a whole range of issues and the documentary uh, catapults you into awareness, a state of awareness. And I would hope that then that awareness turns into a bit of outrage. And if, if you watch it and you're not outraged at, and particularly there's, there's some themes around racial inequity when, when the women who wear their hair in braids were, you know, that ridiculous decision that was then subsequently overturned about that, that, you know, who can wear hair in braids and who can't. It was 
I found it shocking um, and outrageous. Um, and then, you know, the fourth stage is moving into the advocacy stage. And, and I always say to people, I, I, I work, hover between outrage and advocacy every single day. So I remain fueled um, by my outrage at the inequity uh, that, that women's sport faces. But then, like you, have chosen to use my privilege and my background and my connections and, and all sorts of things to become an advocate. So you've done the same, Tony, but... Could, 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 I, just, could I just make a note, though, that the yeah. real hero of making it happen is Adam McKay, the filmmaker, Yeah, right? So he devoted 12 months of his life. He's got two young girls uh, and a family and his beautiful wife. And um, Now, it, I, I reckon it's tough being... It's extremely tough being a professional female athlete, mm. I reckon you're almost up there as a filmmaker because it is just a thankless and um, he effectively funded this himself. He got some support from Deakin Uni and from, from okay. our organisation. He was yeah. at every training session um, through COVID. Uh, he then devoted the period post-April. He went to every away game. He then devoted from April through to September to produce this amazing four-hour series. Um, I just want to give him a shout-out because he's cool. it, it just a remarkable human being. And, um, and again, I'll make sure that I, I hunt down Adam and, and put all of the, the links in the show notes, folks, so you can learn more about Adam. Well, I can tell you it it's, is- it's, uh, it's sideline. Doc, D-O-C, dot com <laughs> is the official website. Um, yep. So just go there and uh, as a starting point. Um, but, yeah, thank you. Appreciate your support, Michelle. It's fantastic. Yeah, no no, no drama. But you do, when, when you're in the advocacy zone uh, for, for women in sport, Tony, you bump up against some stuff, right? And as, as leaders, we have to navigate um, getting towards the goal, Remaining focused on the goal, what the what the end goal is, but we've got to navigate some of that duress in the meantime. What does that look like for you? So, what does what does and, and where I'm going with this, Tony, is that it's there's no point sugarcoating the fact that if for those of us who are working in trying to level the playing field for women in sport, we we've got to say you will bump up against stuff that's not. Fantastic. So what what have been your strategies and tactics to navigate some of that duress, both from a, you know, your own personal keeping yourself okay, as well as, you know, maintaining the forward momentum towards the goal? What are, you, what are your tips around that? Because it does happen. No, no, it definitely happens. And um, look, I've got a one natural advantage in that is that I'm male, pale and stale. Right, so <laughs> You're not stale. No, I can't so, do anything about so, the others. And, 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 and so, what do I what do I mean by that? I, I do think that um, uh, sport is, by its nature, um, I think you used the word patriarchal, right? So, there's there's no doubt that you know some of the opportunity I've had in the last seventeen years, um, it, it's an it, it's it's been simpler for me to get those opportunities because of. Um, because I am male, pale, and stale, to be frank, you know, and uh, I don't mean that. And and I often would use the line, people say, well, you know, it should be about who who's the best. And I said, well, look, we've had a pretty good run for 2,000 years. I think we can 
probably, you know, open it up a little bit. Because, but I think you you can be seen as troublesome. You can be seen as hard to get along with. Uh, and you can be seen as um, what what's his problem? Now, I reckon I get that about 5% as much as uh, women who are advocating for change. Okay, so so this is, I, I reckon I've got it pretty easy. Um, now, what I would say to that is that the, the way to navigate, the way I navigate that is I've learned probably, particularly with the boomers, to um, share the load uh, with my other board members. And that's been a journey in itself to sort of, because I've got, I've got, I've been fortunate to have to have more time, uh, you know, Monday to Friday to be in the business. So, um, but sometimes it's about, um, uh, yeah, sharing the load and particularly just sharing that you just, you're just not, you're just grappling with this thing of like, are we ever going to go fast enough? Right. Or as a small business owners, as a, God, what are we going to do financially? Like, how do we manage that stuff? Um, so I think that's one of the things is to is to try and share the load. Second is to try and not all the time, but mix with some like-minded people. Um, I think that helps. Uh, I wouldn't say all do it all the time because I think you just got to be careful. You're not drinking the cool air of you know think, thinking that. But I do think sometimes just being around people that um, are, are like-minded have energy. Um, I was given some advice by one of my, early, my by my first chair in when I went into sport was um, to work with young people, stay around young people, um, and by young I mean you know under thirty five, not under twenty, um, because because it does give you energy. Uh, I think the next thing I'd say is just try to remember the wins, and I don't mean just on the court. Um, I just try to remember that. Not don't 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 just celebrate them, but just remember them sometimes and reflect on them. That you know, remember that um, we now we now employ twenty people, and when we first started, we employed twelve. You know, so and then sometimes I think the other one I've probably learned is just sometimes you just got to walk away from people and not deal with them and find a way that, you know, just sometimes you just, you're not going to change them. And so just walk away and, and be okay that they don't particularly rate you and perhaps you don't, you don't want to deal with them and um, find, and that's not always easy because sometimes you really need what they've got. And, and that can be media, it can be venues, it can be um, facilities, right? You really need, and when I say you really need them, well, there's always another, people say, well, there's always another facility. Yeah, but geographically that has an impact. And media is a really significant one because um, you can very easily convince yourself that um, uh, having a podcast and being heard on a podcast as a, you know, in our case, a, a professional women's basketball team means that we're being heard. And yet, you know, there's 83 people listening to your podcast. So the power of free to air, um, I think you can also, you know, fall into the trap of thinking that being on Fox Sports News on Foxtel is the way to everybody's heart. Um, 
So I find the media piece, there's just, I've had to give up a couple of, of trying to do a couple of things. So because you can spend so much time and energy trying to get a story into the Herald Sun that, in fact, you miss doing a couple of other things that as much as that Herald Sun article makes you feel good. Um, and so I don't mean that with any disrespect to what I'm saying about people. It's just sometimes you've got to walk away from you can't change that. Uh, and I think so. There, there's advice there, folks listening, that, you know, number one, the one that I I want to pull out first is find your cheer squad, um, so those other like-minded people, because when you're in the when you're dealing with adversity or duress and you know and i i'm fully acknowledging that there's a spectrum here sometimes it'll be those annoying little things other things it'll you know, it'll be right to the other end of this is seriously you know damaging so find those people that you can drop the armor around you can just be yourself and they're like you they get what you're doing you don't have to justify your existence um there'll be many women and particularly women of color listening who know exactly what i'm talking about when you're another it's helpful to come and find your others and hang with them because it gives you that um, emotional um, and mental break from being in battle um and and then but the second part is, which I really want to call out, particularly to men, is be vulnerable enough, be courageously vulnerable enough to say, I'm actually not doing really well here and I need to hang out and I need to have a, a bit of a talk about the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off or I'm tired or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a bit despondent um, rather than the stiff upper lip and the man up and, you know, for, for those of you who want to – Stop doing the man up stuff. Please watch Gus Wallen's Man Up TV because that'll be a it's a whole exercise in how to you know how to drop the bullshit about think, being a man I, in Australia. But, but I think I, I think Michelle, I think men are better at that. Oh, I, I hope so, Tony. I hope no, so I, because I, well, certainly the, the men that I hang out with are. I mean, and I'm well, I'm, fi- you know, I'm fifty-seven. I, yeah, well, we're the same age, and and you know, I I I I hope so. But when I look at the outcomes that. Uh, mental health outcomes that men have in Australia, I wonder if that's really the case, which actually leads me to the next part is don't hang around with your cheer squad for too long because you can, if you're in an echo chamber, you're not, or drinking the Kool-Aid, you're not getting those experiences that help you stay sharp and and also in tune with who those influential people are and what the general opinions are and how you might influence them. So I think, you know, make sure folks that you're not, just hanging with like-minded people all the time. It's it's a good idea to hear the dissenting voices because that is diversity, of diversity of thought, and that's really important. And then the fourth one that you said was learn when to hold them, learn when to fold them, learn when to walk away. You know, lose the battle, win the war. Not that I particularly want to make war-like references, but, you know, when when do you walk away? And And I've got to say, I feel duplicitous giving that advice, listeners, because I'm so shit at walking away. <laughs> I, I've, I've got my mum on my shoulder going, oh, Michelle Redford, you always stay and fight. you know. And she's been telling me, just nod your head, say yes, and walk away. And I go, I can't, I can't. <laughs> but anyway, no, so I, good, I good advice. So no, there's good advice, but not always followed by no, yourself. No, 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 I'm very good at dispensing it. No, no, as in uh, me, me as well. I'm not, yeah. um, I'm not necessarily good <laughs> well, at Well, you know, but, we, but, we have goals. We have goals and aspirations about our behaviour, but anyway. So uh, then, so, so there's some tips for you folks. So we get involved, but understand it's not 
if you want to advocate for women and women and girls in sport, it is not going to be a cakewalk the whole time. But these those are four tactics or four strategies that you can invoke to keep to keep on showing up and keep on being an advocate. Um, and and I guess that leads me to my next sort of conversation starter with you, Tony, is if someone's listening to this going, yeah, I actually do want to get involved, I do want to do something, where do they start? What could, you know, I, I'm a general person who says, I've just watched Sidelined, oh, I'm outraged and I want to be an advocate now for for the WNBL or whatever it may be. What do they do? Um, oh, look, I think first thing I'd say is whatever you're doing, make sure you're interested in it because otherwise it, it won't probably last. But it doesn't mean you need to know that you're interested in it. Just go and play around with it and see whether, you know, we've, I've had people uh, come to the boomers over the last six or seven years without any great interest in, in basketball, let alone women's basketball, and now they're sitting on the sidelines and coming as they do to an AFL club. Um, I'd start with, um, look, it, it's not easy just to do it um, on your own. So doing it in pairs um, or in numbers can help, uh, whatever it is. So sometimes going and being involved in something and then advocating for something that is easier, it's not just you on your own. Um, I would just chat to others. I think one of the things that, you know, the world is quite connected now in terms of even if you don't know people, um, don't get put off by a the fact that you don't get a response from the first person, but, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or particularly LinkedIn is, you know, from a professional perspective is reach out and ask. And um, and the other thing that's happened nowadays is, you know, it doesn't have to be a cup of coffee from a getting together. You can do it through. So the world's become more simple to connect and talk and share. So I think ask. And certainly one of the things, you know, if I look at, as an example, my move out of PwC into professional sport not simple but it came off the back of two or three years of talking to people and then thinking about it and then god forbid actually saying it out loud and that's not easy like it's not a simple thing to do so equally in this advocacy space it's not a simple thing to get started um but there are probably a couple of thoughts don't don't try necessarily do it on your own and also just reach out and talk to others that you think um maybe they you might have something to to learn from and a good question that was given to me so it's not my question was look this is who i am what would if if you were me what would you think about doing and it's a very disarming question because it also and i've used that quite often and it's amazing how many people then sort of either open a door for you or offer you some advice or connect you with somebody I, I couldn't agree more. And again, listeners, key call-outs there, say it out loud. I have my own experience of having, you know, long-held ambitions to be a sports administrator and really have an impact, particularly in AFL. And it wasn't until I kind of started saying it out loud that I realised how generous people are. They go, oh, that's fantastic, Michelle. Let me connect you with X, Y, Z. The reason I, I, I spent time on the Williamstown football board was because I said out loud um, to the then Vic, um, AFL Vic CEO, Steve, I want to be uh, on a, a, a VFL or an AFL board. He goes, fantastic. Good to know. Let me connect you with. I went, oh, hello, here we go. Now, so saying it out loud, but I think 
the other thing too is is find a friend and and go and show up. I, I remember hearing Peggy O'Neill speak about her journey to the to, to the presidency of Richmond Football Club. She just showed up. She showed up at Richmond one day twenty something years ago and said, "How can I help?" And you know, I think that again, talking about disarming questions, when people show up and say, "I I don't." really get it, but I'm here to help. What can I do? There are so many things that we can get you to do in sport and you never know what your talents are. Even if it's, you know, and then if if you don't want to show up to to the boomers and, and help, follow the boomers on all of the social media handles and amplify it, you know, like retweet, repost, you know, that kind of stuff. Follow the players, watch the games, tell people about the games. As much as, you know, people go, oh, you're an advocate for women in sport, that must be huge. That's what advocacy is. It's actually, it can be simple, simple acts to say, hey, let's amplify. There's there's one thing, so it's interesting, at at the end of Sideline, Adam was grappling with, he had his, um, had a working group and that gave two or three people that were really helping shape the, the quality of the show. And the question was, how do you end it? Right, because you could end it with spoiler alert: we win the championship, right? But um, that's not the end point. And he equally didn't want to end it as "woe is us." So he was really grappling with the question of: well, we want to send a message of what could you do? What can you do? What can somebody out there who's watched the show? And uh, he asked Sandy Brondello, the the Opals coach, the New York Liberty coach, to to be interviewed, and she left with a message, which is, um, come watch a game, all right? Now, I'll, I'll take that an extension. If, if you have any connection and any empathy to the Deacon Melbourne Boomers, become a member. And, you know, we have a 1,000 members, and Richmond Football Club has 104,000 members, right? So imagine if we just had 1,500 Right, I'm not even here. Yeah. So, and our membership start at for a junior, eighty dollars, and we have a supporter member which isn't about game day because a lot of people can't come to games. It's, it's just a reality of not just for the boomers; it's a reality for. Um, so I also say to people, just just become a member because then you'll get all that stuff that you're talking about. You'll get connected, and um, uh, it's the price of a lunch. And, you know, it's uh, – so guess what I'm doing straight after we get off here? I'm going to join them um, because – and, and my wife will be going, oh, another sports membership. Wow, Michelle. <laughs> but there are, there, are, there are little ways and big ways, and, and, and I certainly know as a sporting administrator, membership is just so important because it has a knock-on effect <laughs> for, for sponsors, for eyes on, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, great, great advice, Sarah. And I think the the key to this part of the conversation, Tony, is if you feel moved to do something, say, what can I do? There are so many things to do, but say it out loud because I am so convinced of around that the generosity of folks who go, I can help you connect with what you want to do, whether it's here's some good people to follow on Twitter and Instagram. Here's a good membership. Here's where you can watch your chosen sport, you know, 
particularly in this case, WNBA, this, these are the places to watch it. Here's a great doco. Here's three people you need to go and buy a coffee, virtual or otherwise. So say it out loud, folks. I want to help. How can I do that? And because, put it this way, drop Tony a line, drop me a line. We will give you a list of things that that, that, that you can do. So, my friend, we, we could talk for hours, but I can't. Otherwise, we'd have the longest podcast uh, in, in the world. Go on, you're going to say something. No, yeah. no, you, you, you had one prompt that I, mm. I would like you, which is the last one in the bottom yes. right-hand corner. Right? Yep. Because I, I don't think you're going to finish with that, but I do. I am, I am indeed. Yep. Right, okay, that's cool. Yep. I'll leave so, it to you then. What am I doing? I'm taking over as host here. So. Oh, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. I'm, you know, I'll just kick back. That's, that's awesome. You're making it very easy. So that is, what are you hopeful for? What do you want to see happen for in sport? Now, I've got, your prompt is there in the next 12 months. I'm also a practical, pragmatic realist. You can go beyond 12 months if you like, but what do you want to see happen? Okay, so what I would like to see happen is that at the moment, uh, well, professional sport across the world and in Australia is funded. 75% of the money in sport is from media or sponsorship related to media. Um, And currently, uh, women's professional leagues in Australia get less than 5% of that money. So I'd like it to be 30%. And specifically, I'd like the WNBL to find $50 million of investment funds from media or investors to transform this league into the second or third best, genuinely the second or third best women's basketball league in the world. I I love it. I I do like a good set of numbers. I I love an aspirational goal. But what I'm... Uh, sadly not shocked by is that less than 5% of the money coming out of media and sponsorship goes to women uh, in sport and, and particularly to professional, to profession, professional, to professional women's leagues, yep. Yep, yep. So, and we see that those kind of statistics mirrored in, you know, we see less than 2% of VC funding going to women's started startups and, and, and things like that, despite the fact that they outperform. Um, we, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on. So media folk who are listening, influential folk who are listening, and believe me, you are influential when you've got eyeballs and when you've got a wallet. Uh, let's get that number from 5% to 30% because it will make a difference. And the knock-on effect is enormous. And we haven't got time to talk about knock-on effects, but the reality is every dollar invested in a woman multiplies by 10. So let's let's look at the big picture here. And yeah, 50 million bucks. Let's get 50 million bucks in, invested. Um, well, who'd like to kick off? Send me an email with, uh, with your pledge. <laughs> Or send Tony an email with your... No, we, we don't need it from 100 people. We need it from a couple of people because it's like... Absolutely. So, and look, it's 50 million Aussie as well. So you start thinking in the global world, it's... Uh, well, I mean, that's it's, pretty cheap it, for it, Americans these days. It, it's a it's a drop in... It is a, in the world of professional sport media content funding, it is literally a drop in the ocean. But not a drop in the ocean when you put it into context of what it could do, the power that that um, money could have in the league. Unbelievable. Um, it would just have such an unbelievable, to your point, ripple effect 
um, not just for our athletes, but also for the people who work in this sector of the professional sport industry, staff, coaches, high-performance people. Um, and uh, so it's, it's not a matter of taking it off other people. It's actually about there's no doubt in my mind there are one or two or three people out there who, if the idea is in front of them, imagine the transformation. I mean, we're not talking incrementalism. We're just talking transformation. Um, how cool would that be? Very, very cool. And as a as someone who's a huge fan of revolution, not evolution, um, I'm with you, my friend. So what a great note uh, to end on. So 50 million bucks, folks, that's all we need uh, because that will will transform people and society. Um, and as you know, as we've said a number of times through through this episode, please do tune in to Sidelined. It is a terrific series. Even if you're not into basketball, it is a journey. It shows the journey. Um, and you know, I, I challenge you not to come out of uh, watching that series thinking, "What can I do? What can I do to change the status quo?" Tony Hallam, you are changing the status quo for women in sport, women in basketball. I do thank you and your co-owners of the of the Deacon Melbourne Boomers, Boomers because not only have you created a great story, but you have created a legacy and an opportunity for that club and all of the people associated with it to continue to contribute to society, which of course is what sport does. Thank you for your time and I look forward to seeing those Boomers memberships catapult beyond 1,500 pretty soon. Hey, my pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. It's a a privilege. Awesome. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope that you can gain a lot of insights and importantly, take action wherever you may work in sport. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating. It really helps to spread the word. And of course, please do share this episode with your friends, with your colleagues and with your network of people in sport, because together we can close the leadership gender gap.